Hey, welcome to Jack Kelly. Let's go live. And today we have the incomparable Tara Orchard, who is career strategist, tactician extraordinaire. I so, think so too some days. <laughs> without further ado, Tara, their layoffs, their downsizings, hiring freezes, maybe World War III, high inflation. You know, what are you change. seeing? What are you seeing in the market? How are you seeing a lot of people seeking your services because they're in between jobs or worried about losing their jobs or figure out how they can grow within the, their own organization? Yeah, it's it's absolutely interesting. I've been a career coach for a long time. Even the last big recession at the 29 to 2012. And it's interesting how these cycles go. They're always a little bit different, but it is really interesting. And we're seeing definitely some of the same kind of challenges with economics, with turnover in jobs, with, with opportunities in some careers, but lots of layoffs in others and impacting perhaps more um, later career uh, people. So people who are in their mid to late careers, um, it's difficult for them right now. So there's a lot of variables. I would say right now, what I've observed is we are going back into a more, more um, layoffs and a little bit of a challenge for many people getting that next position, certainly a full-time position. That's become a challenge for anybody who's mid-career over. Some of my executives get jobs quickly, but more of them, it's a long process. So Tara, it sounds like what you're saying is for people who are of a certain vintage, it gets a little harder to hold on to your job and find a new job. Do you, do you think it's ageism or is it a combination of how old they are and biases against that? But then older people tend to earn more money. Yeah. So is it also the money, you know, or is it a combination yeah. of both? What, what do you see? And also because you're in Canada, right? You're based in Canada. And maybe, I don't know if there are differences between the U.S. and Canada, so maybe you could also share that, you know. Well, most of my work is in the States. That's okay. where I get most of my, probably 75-80% of my work is in the States, okay. and in Canada and international. Uh, but to your point, yeah, I definitely see that combination of older uh, perceptions sometimes is that they're not as agile, which that can be overcomable when you have prepared, you know, a good brand, when your brand is out there and you're showing your agility, when you're showing you're very um, up to date. So that's manageable, but the cost, the perception that you need a higher cost, the perception that even if you are interested in or applying for jobs that are a step below where you were, that you're happy with that, it's not believed many times. Um, and so the, the cost or the perception that you're not going to stay um, or that you'll be bored or that you don't have the skills can make it challenging. I do work with people from, from who are in university all the way up, but I see that that, that job search for plus 50, even plus 45 um, is more challenging lately. So, so taking that cohort, in like, let's say mid forties and higher, what would you suggest for people who are watching this now, but then also watching it when we, we share it on yeah. other social media platforms too, are there certain tips that you could give people who over a certain age who are worried about, Hey, are they going to see me? And they see, and I can figure out my age from when I went to university and so forth. Yeah. And maybe they're not going to pick me. What tips can you offer those people? And, and there's so many things you can do. You want to get clarity of how you're presenting yourself, what you're targeting. All of those pieces of the puzzle are important. How mm -hmm. am I positioning myself? How am I selling myself? So you have to have that awareness first, and then you have to get out there and create the brand story intentionally that shows that you are up to date, that you are agile, that you are generally, interest, generally interested in that job and it can be so i have executives who they recognize that the odds are they're not going to get that same level job some will some will and they are and or intentionally because we saw that little bit of that retirement wave so we've seen some older workers who are retiring and still want to work 
and they genuinely will take a, a step down role. But the challenge is because they're not believed, they really have to have a strategy and a story to tell. Why are you interested in that role? What can you bring to the table? What excites you about this role? And one of the things I tell people is you've got to look at the difference between the senior role you're in and the role you're applying for, which could be just a smaller industry. Maybe it's a narrower industry, uh, kind of an organization. Maybe it's not as big a scope. And you have to pinpoint, this is what I missed doing in my executive job that I now get a chance to spend more time doing in this job. That's why it's interesting to me. So you have to have a story about that. You have to demonstrate the genuine interest in that job and doing that job. And then that makes it easier for someone to understand, okay, it's not a temporary job. There's a real goal for it. No, it could be a temporary job, but we have to be strategic. If I'm helping a client, my goal is to help that person get that next job. And if that means telling a good story about why you're in the job, even though you might say, oh, Tara, I don't know if I can afford to work in that job for more than a year, that you don't, you owe the employer loyalty in doing a good job when you're working for them, but you do not owe them your career. So if you get that job and it's great and you love it, you stay perfect. But if it's a step down job temporarily, that's part of your strategy. Have that, get the job, do a great job, but take care of your own career at the same time. So that's a lot of great advice and a lot to unpack. So if you don't mind, maybe we could kind of take a yeah. step back and take some pieces from it. So it sounds like in no particular order, you're saying you have to brand yourself and by branding yourself. So let's yeah. say, and I'm seeing people even in their 30s because mm -hmm. of how much they're making fall into that category. Like, hey, do I want to hire this 35-year-old who's making 200000 yeah. when mm -hmm. I can get someone right out of college for a fraction of that? So first is branding. So you have to show like what's your value, right? Now, and don't laugh. You at have me. to have great clarity of your brand and yeah. your market. Now, let me ask you this. This might sound not right, you know, or politically correct. Do you think if somebody is of a certain age, they should really make an attempt to maybe, let's say if you wear glasses to get like more current looking glasses, get a hairstyle that's more current, you know, the clothing, the even the language you use, yeah, you know, because I have kids who are Gen Zs. I know people who are baby boomers. I'm a Gen X. So I kind of have a vibe about how different people talk, but some don't. They're in their silo. So then they come across old, even if they're not old, because they don't know what pop culture is. They don't know, you know what's current. So is that part of like building your brand to make sure, even if you're not interested in that stuff, to make sure that you seem relevant and current? Yeah. And I think you should be interested in that because mm -hmm. that is where the market's going. We know the, the younger cohorts, the millennials, are the biggest cohort in the workforce right now. And they're being followed by the Gen Zs. Mm -hmm. uh, whether, I, I understand there's lots of generational um, uh, conflicts. I, so in addition to working with people who are looking for work, I work with people who work for employers and the employer, or they hire me to help them advance their career and grow their career. And sometimes, the challenges they face, sometimes it's because they're having challenges. Their employer says you need to work with a coach. And, and there's many layers to that. But sometimes there is conflicts, intergenerational conflicts. So I had a client once, a very um, director level person, highly educated, very smart. And they got in uh, trouble because they used the wrong pronoun. Mm -hmm. Someone complained they were using the wrong pronoun. They were using a gendered program, a pronoun and not a non-gendered pronoun. The person didn't give it much thought. And now they are reprimanded for not using it. They didn't give it much thought. And agree or disagree, that was what was happening in that workplace. And so if you were, as I said, if you are aware of the potential conflicts intergenerationally uh, or interculturally, 
or anything like that. If you just are paying attention to that, then you're better able, you might not like it or agree, but you have to be considered being able to understand what's going on in your workforce or your workplace so that you can not get in trouble. But what do you do? That's a good thing. point. So what do you do? Like you're like the average person who, let's just say you have a family, you have obligations, you have a demanding job, yeah. you know, and you know, you have your friends, you, let's say you're, you're in a baby boomer generation and, you know, how do you kind of then absorb what the, what else is going around? Is it just reading? Is it, what, what do you do? A lot of I mean, listening. Yeah. I, I'm in, it's, it's, sorry. I just had a message pop up <laughs> and, and I thought we we're going to not be able to talk, but we still are. So uh, yeah, I do talk to my clients about paying attention doesn't have to be a lot of time, just paying attention. I, you know, I don't necessarily want to watch TikTok, TikTok, <laughs> TikTok. I don't, but it doesn't mean I can't do a quick once in a while search on what are different generations talking about, paying attention, getting outside of your own silo and looking at what's going on. It doesn't have to be a huge thing, but it should be a little thing. So it's talking and listening to people, different generations, cultures, all of that. So we know the workforce is getting more blended. And if you are not aware of that, then that's going to become a challenge to succeeding. And I understand it can, I understand that can be a challenge. If you're a director and you have a young Gen Z who is expecting that you will give them a seat at the table, they're expecting to get a raise within six months or a new job title in six months, and you're thinking, well, that's crazy. And yet that's your workforce. And you're going to have to find a way to work effectively with those trends. Don't forget that younger generation is going to be really helpful in keeping you up to date on trends, on technology. So partnering with them is a great value. What are you seeing in the market right now? Are you seeing that there's still a lot, for a while, the tech sector, I want to say it was like 200,000 plus were laid off in 2023. Mm-hmm. And then Wall Street had, had cuts, media, pretty much across the board. Are you still seeing a lot of layoffs or, you, or are they subsiding a little bit? In technology, uh, most of the people I worked with that, that, that actually lost their jobs in technology, if they were willing to take jobs at a less salary, they were employed really quickly. Some of them set up their own small, several of them would get together and they set up their own consulting company or whatever it was. And then they would go and sell themselves that way. So I think that many, many years ago, I remember, oh, like 2010, um, Dan Topscott uh, Topscott wrote the book, um, um, Wikipedia, or no, what was it? Micro, now it's escaped my mind. But he, he wrote this book about the, the dynamics and the changing workforce where we're going to have more leased employees, more small companies. And it, and it kind of came through in the recession and it went away. And now we're going to see that again. I think being a career entrepreneur where you really are aware of having a broad range of skills where you are maybe having gig work for many of us is going to be important. Maybe not a physician, but even if you look at stable jobs like accountant or teacher, it's going to not necessarily be a 20 or 30 year career any longer. You're going to have to really be prepared to pivot, looking ahead a couple of years and position yourself for those changes. It's a really dynamic market. Speaking Um, of that, Tara, do you see with your clientele that they're saying, hey, what do I need to know about AI, to your mm-hmm. point, to stay relevant and future oriented so that I don't get left behind? I'll tell you, I, I remember when ChatGPT was first popped up in November. I saw it in my, my news feed that first day. I joined it the very first day. So I thought, oh, this could be it. I had an interest in natural language processing. It's part of my background. So I was curious. And a few years ago, I thought I'm going to try and write my own chat bot. I was not successful at that. <laughs> this is way too much work. But as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, that could be a game changer. And I could tell within the first little time of using it, 
okay, I, I see that I'm really going to have to emphasize to many of my clients that they need to understand this tool. And it's not fully there yet, whether it's Bing, whether it's many of the other tools. I'm working on an art, I write for magazine, working on an article on another tool right now that kind of integrates project management software with AI. They'll create your content for you. And I thought, I don't know one of my, my clients. There are some maybe that are more physical laborers. I don't necessarily work with that clientele a, a lot, but there are some that maybe it's not going to impact. But for most of us, it's going to impact us. And so getting ahead on it, I mean, it's in my brain too. I've been mm -hmm. studying a lot of it. You can't yet determine exactly what's going to impact your career. Some places you can, but I can't imagine who it's not. You and I are going to be impacted by AI. My, as I said, my attorney to accountants, established CPAs, they're not worried, but you should be worried. You really yeah. should be. That brings up interesting for yourself. Have you incorporated AI into your coaching now? Yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, I jumped on, as I said, the first day. And I have a combination. I'll use the free ChatGPT. I've used AI Perplexity. I've used Notion AI. I've used Bing. I've tried. Wait, what's, to use... what's Notion AI? That I haven't heard of. Notion was a bit of a project management software, and it used to be called Notion, and now it's Notion AI. I don't know if they officially call it that, but they've now built AI into it, so you can go into your project management software, and there's a section where you can ask it to create for you a blog post, social media post. So you tell it the topic and it creates it for you. And then you can project management, manage that. Like a, I'm sure Asana is gonna have it built in soon enough. I have a free Asana, I haven't checked. Maybe the paid one has it built in. Um, I remember when Canva, Canva used, it was the thing. I told my clients to use Canva for your branding and marketing was the thing. And now it's being a little bit challenged by things like Midjourney and other tools like that. And so they tried to build in, or they have been building in AI into Canva where you can give it instructions to create things for you. It's, we'll see how it goes. And this is for my clients when they're trying to brand themselves. So, and it can be used for lots of other things too. I work with people who are in their own businesses as well. So creating your marketing material, your social media content, or for yourself, even a LinkedIn background, uh, carousels on LinkedIn, all of those things can be done quickly and easily once you learn these tools. Okay, but I'm not saying you use those words because those words that are coming out of AI word for word are AI, mm -hmm. but it can be a stepping stone for you. Even writing, I, I had some clients recently who, you know, that communication with other generations is difficult. And I said, run your, your email through a tool, ask it to check and make it more young friendly and mm -hmm. let it give you some feedback that way. Um, but there's a lot of tools out there that, I, that are going to be helpful. We're just, it's really messy right now. We're right. figuring out what works and how to make it work. Now Tara, speaking of LinkedIn, what would you suggest to people I know we talked about people of a certain age, but across the board, whether you're a Gen Z, a millennial, a boomer, greatest generation, Gen X, if you're on LinkedIn, yeah. let's say for the sake of conversation, like because that is the white collar type of yep. you know, platform that people go to uh, for career, how can they get noticed? How can they stand out? How can they use it to find a job? I, I do really like LinkedIn. I have used it. I started coaching on LinkedIn in 2007. Does that age me too much? But that's how long I've been coaching on using LinkedIn. So you started basically when you were like 15, right? You're like a career coach prodigy, exactly. like a young, right? Yeah. Is that how it is? Because when I when they came out, I remember those conversations. Uh, I was working in an educational institution. And I remember employers asking us, how do we use these new tools and and the students weren't that active on LinkedIn at that moment they were more other tools right. um, but I remember them asking those questions and so I saw that light go on that oh I better know how to use these tools mm -hmm. um, I mean I even remember they were asking me how they could use second do you remember second life I've that heard was, of it but I never used yeah uh, yeah 
Yep. And I remember having to explore that. It was fascinating. And then those, we had the recession. Those things became costly. Um, Second life for classes and all that in, in career fairs became costly and it went away. Um, but we are seeing this now. There was a change and now we're seeing this trending. I, I think it's become a little difficult over the past two years when LinkedIn changed their newsfeed algorithm. It did become difficult for you as an individual to get any traction. LinkedIn is how I used to get most of my referrals. How are they finding me in Canada from Sri Lanka? How are they finding me that way? It was, it was LinkedIn. So I found great traction on LinkedIn, but it has become much harder in the past couple of years. So what do we do? Up. Yeah. So like, what's like a, like a quick tutorial for people who, who, let's yeah. say either, whether you have a job and you're just stealthily look, looking for another job, you're in between jobs, um, or maybe you just want to get some tips to, to grow within your organization. Like, what, yeah. what do you think? Oh, and that's a tip. And to that last point, yeah, that uh, people will say, I, I, I do this all the time with clients who are in organizations again. Sometimes they hire me, sometimes the company's paying. And I say, well, what's your brand? How are they seeing you? How do you get it out there? And sometimes the best way to get it out there isn't in your job because you're doing this job. That's how they see you. That's the image they have of you of it's ABC, this individual contributor, whatever it is. LinkedIn, connecting on LinkedIn, or if they happen to be somewhere else, that's where you can craft the brand you want them to see. So your profile built the way you want to be, not contradicting, of course, your job. Don't make a, you know, pick your job searching, but the content you're sharing, the things you're engaging with, they'll start to see it. But it means you do have to connect with them. The LinkedIn, LinkedIn has announced they're changing their newsfeed. So it looks like they're going to go back to a little, not back, I'm sure they wouldn't call it back because they never want to go back, but they're looking, it looks like that they are going to start de-emphasizing uh, personal posts and re-emphasizing professional content. So you can get your content out there. I still think it's hard to be visible unless you've got a team working. Hey, Tara, through. I don't interrupt you. Is that because like, if I understand it correctly, you know, I was on LinkedIn, same as you, really pretty much since the beginning. Yeah. And then there came a time where it felt very um, Facebooky. You know, it was mm -hmm. more about lifestyle as opposed to work. Is that what you mean that LinkedIn is now, instead of like, hey, look at me, look at me doing this kind of thing to more of, no, we want this to be professional and talk about your career. Is that what you're referring to? That yeah. algorithm changed yes. so that if it's I'm at the beach, I'm ski, you know, skiing, that would be de-emphasized. But if you're talking about like what we're talking about, that will be emphasized. Is that? That appears to be. Okay. I am very fortunate. I have a great, wonderful, knowledgeable network that I learned from on LinkedIn because mm -hmm. I am not a uh, link. I, you know, I don't spend my whole day on LinkedIn doing things. I'm working with right. coaches. And so I peek into what people are sharing. Right. And so I think it was at, um, Andy Foote. I think it's in his post that I saw recently, um, but there's other people too that are great that uh, shared a, a change, that that was being a change that LinkedIn had posted that they were making a change on. Now, I still think it's difficult for the most of us to get a lot of traction. So what I say to clients is you have to actively engage with the people that you want to be visible with. So if it's in your workplace, a little bit, just a little bit, your manager, your coworkers, other managers, you connect with them, you, I, I say you wave. So you make sure that you engage with one of their posts now and then. Remember, LinkedIn forgets that we're connected with people if we don't interact with them frequently. So if you and I don't have any interaction for weeks, you're not seeing me as much in your newsfeed. You're not seeing any notifications. But if I land on your page, you like a post, then it wakes the LinkedIn network up again. So you have to be intentional with your actions, getting in front of the people you want to be connected to. And as a job seeker, the same thing. So if there's a company and there's people at a company, you engage with their content. Remember, that also increases your findability from a recruiter's point of view. If you're connected with a company, connected with people at the company, I mean, LinkedIn is about degrees of connection and they have a job posting and they're looking for someone that's going to also increase your odds of being 
higher found in their algorithm. So there's lots of great value in having a good intentional LinkedIn strategy. So what you're saying in part is this, that the way the algorithms work, if you want to make sure you're seen and noticed, you have to connect with the people who you feel, this doesn't sound crass, but like who could help you, right? So, you know, you, you want to find like-minded people who you connect yeah. with, because if you don't engage, you won't see them and then you lose your network. So it's, you have to really make a concerted effort to first cultivate a network, build mm -hmm. a network, but then you have to, you know, nurture it. Um, you can't just take it for granted. Like you have to continually, like it's like a plant. You got to continually water it and make sure the sun is shining on it and all that kind of good stuff. Otherwise, yeah. it falls out. What With good quality. Yeah, just because it's not, I'm not talking about pods where we all just say great content, great content. Right. It's really about authentic quality engagement, right. but it is strategic. So what else can you do? So like, so, so you want to build, cultivate your network, you know, you, and then you want to stay in, in touch with them. You want to ditch the, you know, the, the Facebooky kind of stuff, I focus so. more on the professional stuff. Um, then are you strategic to find people who are decision makers in the field that you're in where, and the companies that you're interested in with, so you can make that connection, put them as part of your network. So yeah. then when a job comes up, that feels right, you already have that first degree connection. Maybe you've had some conversations. So it's a warm lead to say, hey, Tara, I saw that you just posted this job. Oh my gosh, I've been following your company and following you and I would love to work there. Can you point me in the right direction? Is that kind of the next step too? Yeah, I, 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 the, for me, the first step is that always the clarity of what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. How you position yourself to that clarity? And then you engage with, that network with that intentionality. And it doesn't have to be overt, doesn't have to be in their face with a lot of questions, it's just being visible. Remember how the algorithm works is we don't see the content. Most people don't share content, but we don't see the content from our entire network. I have over 5,000 people in my network. I'm not seeing 5,000 people's worth of content. So has LinkedIn decide, some of it they promote on purpose. So they push up some content. But the rest is based on consistency of your activities, the topic of your activities is interest, interesting to those other people. But then you have to intentionally engage and knock on the door and reach out and share information with that, with the people you want to get ahead of, whether that's in your own company or in other companies. So I am a fan of using alumni search to find alumni in companies. Now there's steps to it. You just can't, hey, we're an alumni, can you help me get a job? There's, there's strategy to it. There's space to it. Ideally you connect with someone and ideally you let that grow for two or three months before you talk about any kind of a career. Sometimes we're desperate for a job and you can shrink it by a couple of weeks, but I don't think you knock on a door, unless it's a recruiter, you're a little more bold with a recruiter. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have a job, I'm a qualified candidate. They'll be okay with that if they think you're qualified. But most people, it's taking some time. But again, the first step is, who are you? How are you showing up? What do you want to be talking about? Do you have the right network? And then, yes, it's messages, it's visibility with activities, that, that intentionality. And, and, and so sometimes it takes a little bit of time. If your career pivoting, which a lot of people need to consider doing, then you want to engage with people to learn about that industry, those careers. And that's a great way to learn, show that you're interested in their knowledge and lay the groundwork for the future. And it's not always about open jobs. Sometimes it's creating jobs. It's knocking on the door and saying, we've connected. I think that I can help your organization in this way. I'd love to talk about and it's getting there too. That's an interesting way of going about it. I haven't thought about it. So what you're saying, the last part is, let's say you know you have your target group of companies you would love to work for. Maybe it's Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, whatever it may be. Yep. And then they might not have a job that's open right now, but you're saying, hey, if I could find that decision maker and I cultivated that person by mm. having an online kind of a relationship with them to say, hey, Tara, you know, I know I don't I don't see any yeah. jobs that are the right fit, but 
I really want to work there. Here's my skills, my background, my resume, my LinkedIn profile. Can you maybe share it with somebody there? Is that what you mean? Is that because that would be a little sense. bit more ultimately, yes, to take a little yeah. more time to get there, but it it is showing that interest, engaging, which is why I like alumni, because you have a natural built-in connection. Right. right? We're both, I'd love to learn about, and there's steps. And so I always say there's three ways to get jobs, right? You can, or to find job leads. You can look for posted jobs. So they're out there, they're posted. There's, that's great. Look for those. You can cultivate your network to find jobs that are being thought of and not quite out there, or you can create your own, right? And that, and the, the good thing is networking gets you all of those, but networking is important for cultivating jobs. What's going on at your company, Right. Uh, and people say, oh, you know, we're we're thinking of hiring for this. Now, you know, before it gets out there, I'd love to learn more. Or you hear they're doing. I mean, I work with clients on this all the time. What are their pain points? What can you bring to the table? And that's just anybody at any level of their career. But again, those job seekers who are older in their career have a lot to bring to the table, but they try and sell everything in the kitchen sink. I can do all of these things for you. Most people aren't looking to hire someone who can do everything. I mean, that's great, but they're looking to hire someone who can solve a problem. We let's yeah, let's can we talk about those that and the other another point you brought up. If to just circle back when you talked about job postings, yeah. I'd be curious your 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 take on this. I've noticed with let's say LinkedIn jobs and other job play other other job boards, they'll give kind of like a counter, you know, meaning a hundred people applied, five hundred people mm -hmm. applied. And I think for job seekers, it becomes very disheartening because when you look and you see like 300 people, no exaggeration, applied, you're crestfallen. You're like, wait a minute, what chance do I have with those 300 people? But as a recruiter who posts yeah. roles, I notice if I post a job, Tara, and let's say I get 100 responses, which, is, which, is, which happens quite often, if not more. Yeah. Out of that hundred, I might only get five decent candidates. When I say decent, they're not even right. They're worth saving 100%. for the future. And maybe two are marginally okay. Yeah. And, yeah. I would say, what do you think? I would say to people who are watching now that don't get discouraged if you see those numbers and like, ah, oh, they're never mm -hmm. like, how am I going to stand out? I could tell you firsthand my experiences, the vast majority, they're just spraying, you know, and yes. praying that they'll hit. So I would say, even though numbers seem a lot, block it out and send the resume anyway. What do you, what do you think about that? I say the same thing to my clients. There yeah, okay. are many, many people applying who are just click apply, click apply, yes. who aren't even good candidates. Uh, they're bots applying sometimes. Oh, really? Yep. They just, and sometimes they're just trying to disrupt the, the, the process mm -hmm. and and sometimes they're you know from other places that aren't qualified so yeah i i agree with you now you still want to have a strategy you still want to make sure a if it's an apply that your mm -hmm. resume is aligned you have the right keywords um ai can help a little bit with that be careful ai does does still hallucinate i've had clients who've used it to write their resume and it does a good job. Wait, how can you, so I can't get my mind around that. How do you, because yeah. like the resume is such a like unique format. So when yeah. I hear about, oh, writing an AI resume, like is it, they just get the, the, the data and you have to format it or does it actually format it for you? No, uh, you know, uh, so most of it, if you're using the chat GPT, one of those, no, you're, you are uh, giving you the information and you're formatting it, but there are resume tools out there that, um, and I won't mention any of them because I haven't checked them all out myself, right. but that you can put it in and it will use a template for it. Um, so I'm not knocking those. There is a place for that for some people, but I have been practicing with those and this is my take on it. When I first started my career, that first year, that's about the quality that I would have given you. So fairly generic and it looked good. Mm -hmm. It's edited nice, but not great. And so, but if you can't write well, 
and you're looking for a job at a convenience store or something like that, then that's maybe going to be enough. So have to check it for hallucinations. So I have tried it with, with materials. Um, usually it's not an active client. It's maybe an older client's resume, a before and an after. And I put the before in to see how compared to what I've done. And it's interesting. And I, I prompt it. I'm very mm -hmm. specific in my prompts um, using a CAR or PAR problem action results format. Give me bullet points and a summary. So I give it the prompt. And then I say, here's the basic information and it gives it, and then it makes up results. If I didn't give it a result, it makes them up. And I'm thinking, I didn't give you that result. How could you claim that result? So you do have to watch it, but I think there's a place. I had someone give me an eight page resume. That was an overwhelming amount of information. And so I helped, I had the eight, I look at it and say, can you see any themes here? Do you see any patterns that I can use to highlight what the person's brand is? So it helped me in that way in summarizing it. I worked with a client uh, recently, very interesting. It's a unique situation. It was a person in a medical field uh, looking, they had to create for a job uh, promotion. Um, I tell people it was a 48 page instructions, <laughs> 48 pages of instructions and what they needed to complete. Um, and I, I, I actually had AI read the instructions after me to help me pick out the highlights. So it was helpful there, but I tried to put in some content against it and it was not helpful, <laughs> but no, no, that's not helpful. So I don't want to spend a lot of time. I think there's a place for it. I think we all have to learn AI and there's a place for it, but it's still not at this moment going to replace most of what we do. Some of it, but Tara, I'm curious for the for, for the clients that you you have or that that, that hit you up. Did they have a good sense already about what to do and how to market themselves, or are they coming in just like I don't know what to do? I've had the same job ten years. I have no mm -hmm. clue. Like, what's you know what's the average? Yeah, I would say. I mean, there's maybe twenty percent. Um, who have some good clarity that yeah. sometimes they're more senior, sometimes they are in, in marketing. They have good clarity about what they bring to the table. A lot of people can get there quickly. You can, you, they don't necessarily know at first, but you can get there quickly. Like, tell me what you're good at. I ask them to tell me stories. I pick out themes. So you can help people get there. Not everybody, but right. you can help them get there. If you know what you're doing, you can help people. Whether they take the help is another question. Um, even the best help I can give sometimes so if someone is strategizing and they're, they're too narrow, I want this job at this pay in this exact location with these specs, I can't, sometimes they're too narrow and, and they're going to be stuck and they're going to be challenged for finding a, a job. And sometimes people just have to open their mindset, but that can be hard. I have worked with many people who've been 30 years in the same company. And in many of those cases, they never... They got brought in at an early level and maybe never even finished a degree. And yet they're a director now, but have no educational requirements, educational qualifications. There is places for that, but it can be really tricky. Speaking about the about. companies themselves, Tara, I know you mentioned that you help people who want to grow internally. Yes. So what about, let's say, you know, Jack Kelly is with, you know, ABC widget company and I like the place, but I'm stuck. Yes. And I think everybody who's watching this now at one time in their career, more than one time, felt like stuck in a rut and don't know what to do. How do you help them to progress within the organization? And uh, so part of it is getting that clarity of where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, people have, I, I always say they, they got on a train and they didn't have a destination. They got hired at a company, sometimes out of, out of university and college. Someone said, here's a ticket to a great company. You know, here's EY, it's a great company, and they got on the train without a real plan or destination, and they've moved up because they were good at someone, something, or someone trained them to be good at it, and they realized they're unhappy. I didn't want to be on this train. How do I get off it? And so it really is, ideally, what do you want to do? What are you good at? And then let's see where those opportunities are, and then off it is rebranding. It's doing different things. For example, let's say you're in a, a 
you know, a well-paid individual contributor role and you wanna to get to that management level. And they keep saying, we have no management experience, right? They don't have that. You, you haven't done HR stuff in your role. You haven't done finance. You've got to find a way to get those skills. And it's not just taking a course. That's great. But I'll often say something like, for example, find a board of directors that you can be on that for a not-for-profit or something like that and take on a role in governance, take on a role as their treasurer and get those skills. Now you can say, you know, next year, well, for the last year, I was developing governance policies. So I may have been your senior technical engineer, but now I'm, I'm looking to go up because I now have these financial management experiences from this other or, and, and or take a course. So it's an intentional. Sometimes it just take a while to make it happen. And then you have to have them see you differently. You surprise them in an interview. You put a great portfolio together that shows these other things so they can see you differently. But it can be hard sometimes to move up. You do have to move out to another company who's, who recognizes that value in you and moves you up. But it can, I have many clients, it can be done internally. It's usually not going to be done within six months. Speaking of six months, when people, it seems to me, what I, what I see as a recruiter is that the timeline to find a new job, if you're particularly a white collar worker, mid to senior level, college educated, advanced degree, maybe JD, MBA, what have you, it could take easily three to six plus months. Oh, yeah. And you're meeting with like up to 10 people um, and then you're ghosted. What, what do you do? How do you coach people who the mental health and emotional mm. well-being is a big part of it, like to keep them in the game because it's so easy. It's like a roller coaster. You know what I mean? You get a great interview. Oh, I'm so excited. You tell your family and friends, yeah, it went great. No feedback, no constructive criticism, yeah. get ghosted and boof. You know what I mean? You just, just fall apart. And then same yeah. thing happens. Then something good happens. Boom. So what, what can people do mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically to just go through this endurance, this marathon slash tough mutter kind of yes. race that you're dealing with for could be up to six months or more even. Or more. I, I, and I think the same thing applies to when you're trying to get that new job or promotion. Yeah. They are long hauls, but I would say um, coming out of the pandemic, still um, during the pandemic, yes, but coming, I still have executives at the VP and direct deliver who it's 12 months. Now that's because often they have a very specific goal of a certain salary, um, but even not, it, it can be many months. So, um, I, you know, I have my background as a psychologist and a sports psychologist and a coach. So I, we do talk about the season and being healthy. I, it maybe seems silly, but I do talk to people about having goals that include engagement with your community, right? They involve also healthy activities, exercising every day, eating, I, all of those things. I can't tell you how many clients I talk about breathing with when you're going to these interviews, practicing good breathing skills. So all of that is part of it. And then it's the having this these micro goals. So it seems like, oh, my goal is getting a job. And if I don't get a job, I fail. But you have to look at all these steps. Have you, you know, what percentage of your resumes are getting through? What percentage of your networking contacts are leading you to another contact? You know, how much are you progressing in an interview? At the same time, you've got to keep professionally engaged. So particularly if you're out of work, but even again, if you are in a job you don't love. And so that could be, which is again why I like LinkedIn, you can engage in conversations on LinkedIn. I have had clients who have left their jobs under very stressful circumstances. They may have been let go and in a way that wasn't a whole layoff. And, and we've talked about transition stories, having these great transition stories, no negativity, positive frames, and if you are actively, positively engaging publicly, including on LinkedIn, you would be surprised how easy it is that people stop even wondering what happened and they just go with you. But when you disappear, when you're not having a lot of content out there, when you sound disgruntled, 
it can it can drag you down. So it's that mindset of uh, here's the next thing I'm doing. I'm going to stay positive. Sometimes you feel negative, but you got to put that positive front up. And people just go along with you. Hey, everybody, I am looking for this career. I'm taking this course. I love your tips. People just go along with you if you if you take that approach. So that's what I say. Have goals, have activities. You may have to take a course. I had a client once who was a VP. This was during the pandemic. VP level person lost their job in an industry that was not hiring during the pandemic. And a year in, now fortunately they had resources, so they were not going to lose their home at that point. But a year in, they said they felt so disconnected that they took a job in a retail store at a minimum wage job, plus they want healthcare. But, but it was at a store with think, something they love. It was products they love. And that they just said they felt so good going and talking to people and engaging. And if we talk about strategy, what if someone who knows your VP comes in, they would just say, oh, you know, I was so bored staying at home or I'm building my consulting business and I really miss talking with people. And within two months, they got a VP job. So that helped them stay positive. Not saying everybody has to go get a job at Walmart or anything like that but doing something can really change your mental health. So that's what I would often say. I, I agree with you. That makes so much sense because it's very easy to, to default to woe is me. The world's mm -hmm. against me. You know, there's a black cloud over my head. I'm just going to crawl into bed, put the covers over my head and that's it. But you can't do that because nothing will happen. It'll just get worse. So you have to really like an athlete. I go, well, you have yeah. to exercise, you have to eat right, you have to cut out the drinking and the drugs and the party and all that you have to really stay mentally, emotionally, physically focused um, to, to get it through because it is it's like an endurance test. It's yeah. like, you know, it's you're you're and like an athlete, you got to get through this really tough period of time with a lot of obstacles, a lot of hurdles to jump over, you know, a lot of highs and lows. So I find people sometimes they will uh, literally decide I've got to do something, build a whole new garden, which is great, but it becomes an excuse. I'm going to, I'm going to take, cause they're not contributing to the household. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be the one that drives everywhere and does all the shopping or whatever it is. Um, and particularly sometimes gendered that men didn't traditionally do that. Now they're doing it, which is great. I don't want to stop them from doing it, but they don't look for a job as a result. They don't put the time in, they don't build their network. And then it starts to shrink their world. And now it's six months and they haven't had a professional conversation with someone. They're going through LinkedIn, they're applying, but it's not the same. So yeah, having a strategy, you, you will mm -hmm. get down. There's, that's normal, it's how do you get back out of that? And getting help from the positive people can be hard if you've got a partner who well-intentioned keeps saying, why aren't you looking for a job today? Have you not looked for a job today? You have to shut them out or bring them in and get them to help you. Show them, you know, I mean, I give clients something that's about stages of transition, the emotions of job loss, show them that so they can recognize that this is a natural transition process. There's, there's so many things out there. I mean, the first thing is, we're all, you know, humans with humans' emotions, regardless of our ages and cultures and backgrounds. We all will face challenges in, in building our careers and finding our next jobs. But having clarity and intentional strategy and using your, your network, seeing positive, I say positive, proactive, watch your perceptions, they can get you to that next stage. Well, this is great. I love this, Tara. It's kind of a masterclass in what to do, what not to do as well. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you feel you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I, I, I think that there, obviously I think getting help is helpful. Mm -hmm. Whether that is engaging with a career coach or connecting with knowledgeable people. I, I know it's always tricky because you can find cheap, help and someone can do your resume for $79 or AI does it for free. So I, I understand that. Um, I understand that everybody has the means, but having a coach 
having that support system. It could be through LinkedIn where you just connect with coaches. It could be in your community, having that community support you, it really can make a difference. So I would encourage you to follow us, pay attention, get engaged in conversations, find local networking opportunities, get involved in your professional associations or even your community associations so that you have other things to talk about, people to network with, and you have that um, opportunity to stay engaged in the world around you. That's fantastic. And for people who want to find you, how, how can they find you? I, th- I always say, go to look LinkedIn, look for Tara Orchard. If you can't find <laughs> me, you probably shouldn't hire me. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. And this is really helpful. And I'll give a little, uh, a little shout out, you know, for myself in terms of, mm-hmm. so, we, you know, you and I had spoken a little while back where I mentioned to you and some other people that, you know, I see this market going back to the beginning of the, our conversation, yeah. you know, with everything going on with so many layoffs, downsizing, hiring freezes, you know, worries, is there a recession? Is it going to be World War III? People need help more than ever. And mm-hmm. as a recruiter, I was always giving advice to people, what job to take, what job not to take, am I getting the right salary or not? So I thought, hey, if I could kind of leverage all the career coaches, because I built a network, as you pointed out, like, and cultivated and know a lot of people in this space. So I started this company, a startup called Cochero.ai. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to help people and find people like you know, Tara and others who specialize in certain areas who are excellent. So people who are going through a hard time could have a go-to place that they could help and learn yeah. and find someone who kind of knows their business and could help out right away. So I think I think this is what's going to be for a while now. You know, it seems that when seems like a little better now because I'm seeing more jobs being posted. I see the stock market going up a little higher. I don't hear the same fears about the banks. So knock wood, it seems like it's getting better, but we're still in this dicey area where people need help. And I'm so glad that we could do these things. I'm so happy that you're on the show because people need this advice. But Because if they don't, they're just stuck at home, don't know what to do. So you were yeah. great, Tara. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on. And thanks, everybody, for watching. And if anybody has any ideas or topics for show, hit me up. Let me know. Anyone who needs some career guidance and help, let us know. We'll be glad to help. And uh, thank you very much for watching, everyone.